Who was Jesus of Nazareth? And how is Jesus fully God and fully man, yet one person? And is it really important that you believe that Jesus was born of a virgin? Hi, I'm Dr. Greg Ammons. Welcome to Truth 101, a podcast where we talk about various aspects of systematic theology. And so far in our podcast, we've looked at the 100 series talking about the doctrine of God. What is God like? Can God be known? Does God exist? What are His attributes like? Various aspects of God's will and God's creation. And now we're beginning the 200 series in this Truth 201 episode and looking at the person of Jesus. Who is Jesus of Nazareth? And how did he become, and how, did, how, how was he fully God and fully man? In the first three podcasts in the 200 series, Truth 201, 202, and 203, we're going to look at the humanity of Jesus. And then in the next three podcasts, 204, 205, and 206, we're going to look at the deity of Jesus, and then in the following podcast in this 200 series, we will look at how Jesus' deity and humanity are united in the one person of Jesus Christ. I think that you're going to find that interesting as we look at historically how people have tried to, tried to, to marry those two concepts of Jesus' deity and Jesus' humanity. First of all, let's begin in looking at this episode of the humanity of Jesus by talking about the virgin birth, the virgin birth. And I guess we can summarize the biblical teaching about the person of Christ by saying Jesus was fully God and fully man in one person and will be forever. So whenever we speak of the humanity of Christ, it is appropriate, I believe, to begin with the consideration of the virgin birth of Jesus. Now, the Bible clearly asserts that Jesus was conceived in the womb of his mother Mary by a miraculous work of the Holy Spirit and without a human father. Now, this has been denied. The virgin birth has been denied by various groups radical groups throughout Christian history. And in the 19th century, this became known as Psilanthropism, P-S-I-L-A-N-T-H-R-O-P-I-S-M, Psilanthropism, coming from two Greek words, psilos, meaning plain or mere or bare, B-A-R-E, and then anthropos, meaning man or mankind. So if you add the words together, the Greek words together, it means that Jesus was merely a man or a plain man or just a bare man. And that's what a lot of people have believed in denying the virgin birth. If you go back early in, early in uh, Christian history, you'll see that the Ebionites, a Jewish sect in the 100 ADs, believed that Jesus was only a, a man. He was not... He was not miraculously born of a virgin. Then you go to the Reformation, and there were several radical groups arose, primarily, most notably in Italy, 
uh, and the Unitarians at that time, you'll see a lot of Unitarian churches today, the Unitarians primarily at that point in the Reformation believed, did not believe rather, in the virgin birth. But then you go to the 19th century up to today, and, and now this time period is when more people have denied the virgin birth than at any other time in, in Christian history, and you still see it happening today. So let me just kind of briefly talk about that. Harry Emerson Fosdick was the, the pastor of the First Presbyterian of New York, and, and he was one of the main proponents early denying the virgin birth of Jesus. He said it would, it would require believing in a, quote, biological miracle to believe in the virgin birth, and he outright denied it while the, being the pastor of the First Presbyterian Church of, of New York. Karl Barth's father, Fritz Bark, uh, Barth, who was a, uh, a Swiss reformer, he also denied the virgin birth of Jesus. And then you come a little more uh, closer to our day. Back in 1985, there was a group that became known as the Jesus Seminar. Fifty biblical scholars and 100 laymen came together and, and looked at various aspects of, of Jesus and the historical Jesus. And it was revived, revived again in 2006, the Jesus Seminar, and the Jesus Seminar concluded that the virgin birth of Jesus was inaccurate, that Jesus was not born of a virgin. Proponents of the Jesus Seminar, you have Marcus Borg, B-O-R-G. You have John Dominic Crossan. You have Robert Funk. Uh, Robert Funk was the founder of the Jesus Seminar. Each of these uh, leaders of the Jesus Seminar all denied, categorically denied, that Jesus was born of a virgin. Today there's a movement known as progressive Christianity looking at liberal aspects of uh, various aspects of Christianity today denying traditional beliefs, biblical beliefs of Christianity. And progressive Christianity today denies also the virgin birth of Jesus. Also a man by the name of uh, Robin Myers, he uh, was the pastor of the United Church of Christ or rather a minister of the United Church of Christ in Oklahoma City for many years, still a professor at Oklahoma City University, a philosophy professor, and he denies the virgin birth of Jesus. has been very outspoken about that. In fact, Robin Myers says the virgin birth of Christ was contrived in order to cover up a scandal in the first century. And so that's how Robin Myers views the virgin birth of Jesus. And the Mormons, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, they too deny that Jesus was born of a virgin. So that's just a brief history of, of those who deny the, the, um, the doctrine. So I want us to look now, why do we believe in the doctrine of the virgin birth? Why do I believe in it? Why does traditional Christianity believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. Let's look at it. First of all, Matthew in his gospel and Luke in his gospel, both of them affirm the virgin birth of Christ. If you remember in Matthew, he says, now the birth of Jesus took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. That's Matthew 1.18. 
And then shortly after that, an angel of the Lord said to Joseph, who was engaged to Mary, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. That's Matthew 1.20. And then we read that Joseph did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took his wife, but he did not know her until she had given birth to a son and called his name Jesus. That's verses 24 and 25 of Matthew 1. So Matthew affirms the virgin birth of Jesus, but so does Luke in his gospel. In Luke chapter 1, verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, the angel said, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. So Gabriel, speaking to Mary, affirmed the virgin birth of Christ as well. So, first of all, you have it in Scripture from Matthew and Luke and their accounts in the Gospels that Jesus was indeed <clears throat> excuse me, born uh, of the Holy Spirit and was born of the Virgin Mary. Now, why is this doctrine important? Let's talk about three reasons, I believe, that the doctrine of the virgin birth is vital for us to believe as Christians. First of all, <clears throat> the virgin birth shows that salvation ultimately comes from the Lord. Just as God had promised that the seed of the woman in Genesis 3.15 would ultimately destroy the serpent, so God brought it about by His own power, not through mere human effort. The virgin birth of Christ is an unmistakable reminder that salvation can never come through human effort, but must be the work of God Himself. Our salvation only comes about through the supernatural work of God. And that was evident at the very beginning of Jesus' life, whenever it says God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. That's from Galatians 4, 4, and 5. So the first reason the believing in the virgin birth is important, it shows us salvation is ultimately from God. But second of all, the virgin birth made possible the uniting of full deity and full humanity in one person. This was the means God used to, his, to send His Son into the world as a man. John 3.16 tells us that. If we think for a moment of other possible ways in which Jesus might have come to the earth, none of them would so clearly unite humanity and deity in one person. It probably would have been possible for God to create Jesus as a complete human being in heaven and then send him to descend from heaven to earth without the benefit of a mother or a father either. He could have done that. But then it would have been very hard for us to see how Jesus could be fully human as we are. Nor would he be a part of the human race that he physically descended from Adam. That wouldn't have been so. On the other hand, it probably would have been possible for God to have Jesus come into the world with two human parents. 
both a human father and a human mother, and with his divine nature miraculously somehow united to his human nature at some point early in his life. Now, there are some beliefs that teach that. That's not biblical, but I guess it's possible for God to have done it that way. But if he did, it would have been hard for us to understand how Jesus was fully God, since his origin was like not like ours in every way. So, whenever we think of these two other possibilities, <clears throat> it helps us to understand how God in his wisdom ordained a combination of human and divine in the birth of Christ so that his full humanity would be evident to us from the fact of his ordinary human birth from a human mother, but his full deity would be evident from the fact he was conceived in Mary's womb by the work of the Holy Spirit. So, the second reason I believe the virgin birth is important for us to believe is because it makes possible the uniting of full deity and full humanity in one person. <clears throat> but let's talk about a third reason why the virgin birth also is important for us to believe, and that's because the virgin birth makes possible Jesus' true humanity without inherited sin. Now, this is vitally important. Let's, let's talk through this just a moment. All human beings have inherited legal guilt or a corrupt moral nature from our first father, Adam. The Bible makes it very clear we are sinners because Adam was a sinner. We also choose to sin, but we inherit a sin nature through the first father, Adam. That's sometimes called inherited sin or it's sometimes called original sin. But the fact that Jesus did not have a human father means that the line of descent from Adam is partially interrupted. Jesus did not descend from Adam in exactly the same way in which every other human being has descended from Adam. And this helps us to understand why the legal guilt or the moral corruption that belongs to all of us, every human being, does not belong to Christ. So that's vitally important. And that's the idea that seems to be indicated in the statement of the angel Gabriel to Mary in Luke chapter 135, whenever he says the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Because the Spirit brought about the conception of Jesus in the womb of Mary, the child was to be called Holy. So, a conclusion does not necessarily mean that the transmission of sin in the human race comes only through the Father. I'm not saying that. For the Bible never, nowhere does it ever assert that. But it is, a, it is enough for us to merely to say that in this case, in Jesus' case, the unbroken line of descent from Adam was interrupted and Jesus was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
So Luke 135 connects this conception by the Holy Spirit with the holiness or the moral purity of Christ. And that helps us to understand that through the absence of a human father, Jesus was therefore not, he did not inherit guilt or sin from Adam like we do. Now, that, that means the question still remains. Why did Jesus not inherit a sinful nature from Mary? Think about that. Why did Jesus not inherit a sinful nature from a human mother who gave birth to him from Mary? Well, the Roman Catholic Church answers this question by saying that Mary herself was free from sin. But the Bible nowhere teaches that. Nowhere does the Bible tell us that Mary was free from sin, although the Roman Catholic Church does teach that. It would not really solve the problem anyway, really, if you think about it. For why then did Mary not inherit sin from her mother? or her mother. So it really doesn't answer the question anyway. I think a better solution is to say that the work of the Holy Spirit in Mary must have prevented not only the transmission of sin from Joseph, because Jesus had no human father, but also in a miraculous way the transmission of sin from Mary. Go back to that Luke 135 again, and Gabriel talking to Mary, saying, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, therefore the child to be born will be called holy. So therefore you kind of see that connection. Now, it's been common, as I've shared with you through the previous generations, and really most, most notably this generation, our generation today, to reject the virgin birth of Christ, to not accept the complete truthfulness of the Bible, and to deny the doctrine of the virgin birth of Christ. Folks, you're going to read a lot of books. You can hear a lot of podcasts. You can, you can hear some preachers today talk about how Jesus being born of a virgin is not possible. There are many today who deny the virgin birth of Christ, but I believe that it's, it's, it's my belief that if our beliefs are to be governed by the statements of the Bible, which they should be, then we certainly cannot deny the teaching of the virgin birth of Jesus. First of all, simply because the Bible affirms it. It's that clear. The Bible affirms the, the virgin birth of Christ. Certainly such a miracle is not too hard for the God who created the universe, is it? Is the virgin birth of Christ too hard for a God who created everything? We talked about in the last couple of podcasts about his creation. Is the virgin birth of Christ too hard for God? Certainly not. Not only that, but in also in addition to the fact that Scripture teaches the virgin birth, we can see that doctrinally it is important. 
And if we're to understand the biblical teaching on the person of Jesus correctly, it is important that we begin with the affirmation of this doctrine. So I wanted to begin this 200 series on the person of Jesus, talking about the humanity of Jesus. I wanted to begin with the importance of believing in the virgin birth of Christ. Now, in our next podcast, we'll go uh, into more looking at the, uh, the, the humanity of Jesus. We'll begin looking at the human weaknesses he had, how he self-limited himself, how Philippians 2, 5 through 11, the kenosis passage talks about, and we'll talk about how Jesus self-limited himself to being a human, therefore some of the weaknesses that he took upon himself, such as he got tired, he got hungry, uh, he needed rest, Um, And we'll look into more aspects of his humanity in our next podcast, A Truth 202. Hope you have a great week. God bless you. And we'll see you again next week as we talk further about the humanity of Jesus.